This is the Home Service Success Podcast, your resource for growing your residential contracting business through sales, marketing, and mindset strategy. Davis here, joined by my co-host, Stephen, and today we have an awesome guest. He's the second generation owner of an HVAC company serving Portland, Oregon, and the surrounding areas. His company was originally founded by his father in 1979. He spent his entire life working with the company, uh, climbing the ranks from office worker to technician to owner. He's led the company to win best heating contractor to work for and was awarded top 40 under 40 in the HVAC industry. Allow me to introduce Travis Smith of Sky Heating and Air Conditioning. Travis, what's up? Hey, well, we, we technically have started to change our name to Sky Heating, AC, and Plumbing uh, as we've recently added plumbing as of October First, which is funny because we started October 1st of 1979. So it was very uh, symbolic to us to be able to add that plumbing division October 1st of 2020 uh, through obviously a crazy year that I'm sure we'll get into and talk about. But uh, thank you for the introduction. Uh, I love sharing my story and talking to others and, and helping other people because they in turn always give back and help me. And it's helped me grow from listening to amazing podcasts like this and the resources that you guys put together for all of us. Awesome, dude. Yeah, no, it's our pleasure having you on. And uh, I mean, you've been in the industry literally your entire life. You were born in this industry. So you've got a very yes. unique perspective in that, you know, you started like, you know, you started just as an infant, essentially learning what this thing's all about. And then in the office through being a technician, like on the ground floor, and now being the owner of one of the biggest companies in Oregon. I mean, that's yeah. such an incredible story that you have there. Well, in fact, in my baby book, it, it starts out at six months and five days. I have a picture of it. It does say, uh, Travis went to help daddy do trims on houses today since my father started with new construction. And we were a new construction company for many years until we started to shift the business model to the replacement and service model. So yes, when I, and I tell people, and I used to do sales calls in my, my early thirties and I'm 37 now, but I'd go out to houses and people say, oh, how long have you been doing this for? And I go, oh, 32 years. They go, wow, you look really good for 50 <laughs> I'm 32. I've just been doing this in six months, five days. And I have a picture that I bring them the, the baby book just to prove it. And they're like, oh, oh okay, you are 32. Yes, I'm not 50. Talk about a great uh, in-home sales tool, right? Like, nope, yes. I've literally been doing this since this old. They're like, oh, how cute. Yes. <laughs> well, now you have a family of your own. So it's just, you know, the, the story continues, right? Into the future. Yep. I've got some of my son's artwork. Let's see if I can figure out which side I'm on behind me here from when he was about one. Um, got a bunch of pictures of, of him and my daughter also at the chairs here at the office at our old building before we moved in this new office. And as we're getting to getting ready to purchase land and expand to our next building and hopefully our kind of more long-term headquarters as we build out for the future, because we didn't expect the, the pace of growth and didn't know what 2020 would bring when we were setting goals back in 2010 um, for real estate and purchases, but it'll be wonderful to have them be able to see that and changes in the, the logos and the design and the, just the way that we run the company as they grow older too. Awesome. Well, yeah. So give us a quick overview of, you know, when you took over sky heating, AC and plumbing, I'll add the plumbing there. Um, and what it was like kind of taking ownership of the company, um, maybe some, some opportunities that you saw for growth or things that you were doing really well at the time that you wanted to maintain that momentum? Yeah. So when uh, my father started the company it was October 1st of 1979. So we're going on our, 
We're at 42nd year in business now. Uh, he was very new construction oriented. He came from a new construction industry. He came from installing systems in new homes. So naturally, when he started sky heating, he was laid off during the recession um, in the, the late 70s with hyperinflation and went out on his own and started the company. Um, he did new construction all the way through the kind of last big recession we had in 05, 06, 07, 08. And that's when I came into the office. I was working in the field. <clears throat> you use the word technician. Um, I don't know if I'd be so kind to myself as I really wasn't that good. I know some people will give me flack for it saying, oh, he can't hook up a set of gauges, but I'm sorry, I'm not a great technician. Greater running ductwork. I could run flex duct. I could wrap and, you know, wrap and insulate pipe really quickly. I had great systems for that. Um, I can tell you how to work on a furnace, but I'm not good at doing those pieces and things. So I've learned the technical aspects, learned that side, <clears throat> uh, but never really got good at them because I moved into the office as we hit the downturn and as new construction was declining and started to take over our service department, which I jokingly called a warranty department at the time because we really didn't service new customers. We had no maintenance agreement program to speak of. Um, the only reason we had maintenance agreements is if a customer begged us, we'd like write a piece of paper up and be like, here, you have an agreement. I think we had 22, like a whopping 22 uh, maintenance agreements for the entire company. And our single service tech mostly ran warranties on new construction homes, but that was our service department at the time. So we grew it to two service technicians and started turning over leads from our service department. And our sales guy was booked and busy on marketed leads and running new construction homes. So I was like, well, put on a backpack and go out and start selling some of these jobs and came up with a computerized system for doing it using the, the ad tech software back in like 2008. Um, my dad always hated the computers, didn't like them, but I started selling, outsold our sales guy, sold more extended warranties, more filters, more IAQ, more high-end, and I was only working part-time selling, plus running the service department, and couldn't figure out why I was outselling him. I, on the other hand, couldn't figure out why I was getting paid half as much as him to do it. <laughs> so um, I eventually moved into sales and then started growing our sales team. Um, which grew me into the ownership role as my, my father and his business partner had planned to transition out. But uh, as we kind of talked before we got into the podcast, and that's a whole different story, we had to forcefully kick out who was supposed to be my 50-50 partner, which delayed the transition a couple of years so that I didn't officially take over until uh, January 1st of 2015 when I became the, the sole owner of the company and started to push us into the direction that I wanted to go, which was advertising. We, we never really advertised prior to that. Um, because we were mostly new construction, if we were doing a sales lead, most of the time it was for a new home where uh, we'd go back out and add air conditioning. And for those of you in Southern climates, Oregon doesn't put air conditioners on homes. That's not standard. Those are add-ons um, that you come back out to do later. So we, we eventually started to move away from new construction, move away from commercial and go to purely service and replacement where we do zero new homes today, zero commercial work today, and purely work with end users uh, for all of the systems and services that we provide. Wow. So you took the company really into the residential arena. Like Yes, I was definitely trained with the new construction stuff. And, and huh? when I bought the company for my father, and I know people online have said, oh, you, you were given it. No, I actually paid interest. Uh, I'm still paying interest. I'm still paying some of that off. Uh, there was a, a loan. It was a full arm's length transaction. We both had separate attorneys just to clear the air on that. Uh, there was no favoritism. Like I said, when I was selling, I got paid half as much as our salesperson did simply because I was the owner's son. So it was not that, that easy route. I was installing ductwork in attics and crawl spaces for 10 plus years. Uh, so it was not just a simple, like you're in the office, you're taking over. It was having to prove yourself, having to grow it. And, uh, 
at the end of this year, we should finish somewhere between seven and a half and eight times larger um, than when I, I came into the office and started taking over the company. So we've definitely grown significantly in those years and it was, it was earned the whole way through and still is getting that way today. Yeah, no, I can only imagine. Wow. I mean, just like shifting, you know, a long-term, a business that had been established for 30 plus years, you know, shifting yeah. the business model and that, that affects your culture. It affects your brand. And like you said, advertising the way that you're putting, mm-hmm. putting your identity out into the community and, you know, engaging with the community. So yeah. those are all things I kind of want to tap into a little bit as well here. Yeah. So definitely switching from new construction. When, when I was working with my father originally, he'd sent me to classes by a company called BDR. And BDR was prevalent in the, the Pacific Northwest, uh, working with a distributor. My dad would send me to the classes and I'd go to the classes and I'd come back and go, dad, we shouldn't be selling these 10 seer and 13 seer air conditioners. We should be selling like two stage 16 seer. And he goes, that's great, but we don't do that here. I'm like, why did you send me to the class? You literally spent like a thousand dollars and two days of travel for me to go to the class for me to come back and say, here's what the class told me. And you go, yeah, but that's not what we do. So I knew that we wanted to make a change. I thought we were going to stay with new construction. I still didn't know that um, new construction wouldn't be with us forever, but we started to look at the financials. And as we got them separated and got better financials and better people in those seats, it was like, we're really not making money on new construction. And we were at one point because that's all we did. But as the business model shifted, you have to really be invested in and go for it. And the, the buying habits changed. It wasn't the builder that would pay more for the high quality. Those builders were now getting bought out and going through private equity transitions or, you know, just getting into the next level of their business. And even the custom homes were so few and far between that our labor was going up and down and up and down and becoming very inconsistent. Um, because you can't pay as much on the new construction side. We couldn't find the right people. We couldn't find the right labor to make it work well. And we're on these custom homes and not doing the best of work. And one day we finally just sat down and said, what are we doing here? We've got this profitable replacement division. We've got a service division that's going and we're putting too much focus on new construction. And the only answer we had was, well, that's just what we've always done. For 38 years, we were a new construction company. We're just going to get rid of it all of a sudden. And it was finally like, okay, yep. We just one day said, no new homes. We literally just shut it off. And any builder that called up the day after that, we said, we don't do it anymore. And here's who we're referring it to. And we started to train all of those people into replacement and put them in as helpers or move them into service, move them into duct work. We still focus massively on duct work. And we just started moving them into different divisions. And we, we actually declined in the number of people. At one point, we were at like 40 people. We went down to 32, yet still grew by a million plus dollars that year and grew in profitability. And it's because we were getting rid of the people that shouldn't have been on the boat and optimizing the ones that were there while giving them better opportunities so that they could make more, earn more, have more potential and move up faster as we made that shift. Um, and then after that, we said, well, why are we doing commercial? It takes forever for us to get permits. There's great companies that do commercial. We're not great at commercial. We should go back to focusing on where we do well. And there's a lot of times where we realize that you know, as, as the economy is growing, we were trying to spread ourselves too thin, going different directions, having three locations, having new construction and commercial. And we should have just been focusing on our core competencies of residential replacement and service where we'd always done well, where we had some steady growth, where we had profitability. Um, and there's definitely a lot of mistakes made going through those ropes and probably 2017, 2018 were the, uh, the hardest years as we'd made that transition and ripped off the bandaid and there were times that profitability as a whole declined as a percent. But as soon as we started coming out of that, it just took off like a rocket ship from there and is the trajectory that I hope we can stay on for quite a while. 
That's awesome, man. I think that's so important to pay attention to is like, you guys looked at the numbers, you looked at your core competencies, and then you made decisions based on the facts. And maybe I'm reading into this a little bit, but also in kind of like the vision, like what part did you guys enjoy? Where did you want to go as a company? Um, And then you made the choice based on that. And I see so many service companies struggling, like, oh my gosh, you know, all my businesses from commercial and I'm held hostage by the builders or uh, by like new construction, I'm being held hostage. And they're like, well, once I start to build the service department, then we'll cut that off. But invariably, you know how that works. Like five years later, you talk to them and they're still struggling doing the exact same thing. So I think Mm -hmm. that's a really cool point to pay attention to is just look at the facts, look at the vision, look at what your strengths are, look at what you want to do and want to make the company into, and then take some pretty aggressive action. It doesn't have to be quite as how you guys did it. Like the next day you're like, okay, no more of this. It doesn't even have to be quite that much. I, I think you probably did it the right way, but um, it, you know, just pay attention to that stuff. Look mm-hmm. at the facts and make decisions. And remember, you can create anything that you want. You know, as long and as trust you have your market team for it, and you have, yeah, you'd be point. amazed how many times the the team knows it before you. And and sometimes, as the the visionary or the leader, um, you know, it all falls on your shoulders. And that's been something that's been a hard pill to swallow, and something that I challenge others to think of because no matter what happens at your company, it's your fault. And yep. if you would have asked me that same question five years ago, I would have placed the blame on other people, figured out somewhere to put it. Uh, I'm still not the best of that. I'm still working on that. So I'm just going to, if any of my team's listening, I apologize in advance. <laughs> if I don't take the blame on something, uh, that's definitely a personal goal of mine that I want to work on. But when I sat down with the team and was like, man, this isn't working. This isn't going the right direction. They're like, yeah. Like, what, what, what do you mean? Yeah. You've been telling us this for a year, Travis. Why haven't you just made the decision? So, so let me just ask again, are you guys okay? Not doing new construction. They're like, <laughs> pretty sure we told you that a year ago and you're like oh i'm the one holding this back and you start to realize and, and as i talk to these great leaders it's always you that's holding your company back it's if we're not growing fast enough that's on me and i remember lewis bruno told me one day uh, he's a, a mentor of mine and helped me out a ton with the growth and going to private label um, getting our ductwork system set up I was like, I'm going to be a $25 million company. And he goes, great. So now you need to become a $25 million leader first. I'm like, no, 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 we're going to get there. And he goes, if you were a $25 million leader, you'd have a $25 million company. It's that simple. So you can't tell me that you're a $25 million leader and don't have a company. It just literally does not line up. And it's kind of a stark realization that day that, yeah, if, if you want to be a $40 million company, you've got to become a $40 million leader first. Or if you can find the person that can run that and you step back into another role that you feel better at, then by all means go for it. But I think that's typically not the scenario that's going to happen. I I know of only one company where the owner stepped back, went into a service technician role, hired somebody to run the company. They owned it and were the service tech and, and it grew, but that's, that's a, you know, not the norm. Yeah. Well, I think that that's an important lesson also in vision, right? That person had a vision of what exactly they wanted to do. And you can make anything happen. It's just most owners, I think that you and I know, would really struggle with something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they would struggle stepping down into that role and fully trusting somebody else and training them the way that they want them to be trained. But um, yeah. yeah, dude, I, I love that. Trust your team. And then it's always, yeah, it's, it's, always, it's always our responsibility, 100%. Anything mm-hmm. that happens within the company, anything. Yeah. Um, and 
that I, I learned that lesson. I don't know. I started to learn it a while ago and much like you, I'm the same way. It's like something I'm always striving to get better and better at. Mm -hmm. So Travis, during that period where you were kind of weathering the storm, I think you mentioned 2018, that, that era, had you at that point made the conscious decision, like laid out that vision, like this is the direction we're heading. And you kind of knew that it was the right decision, even though it took months to kind of weather that storm and it was probably stressful. And you probably had those nights where you were like, man, am I doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. How did, oh yeah, yeah, because we went, so in 2016, we were given the opportunity to open a third location. We had, we bought one in 2015, three months, actually not even three months. So it was the third month. So two months into my full ownership of the company, I made this wild, crazy decision to buy this small million dollar location in the Dalles. It was a, a price I couldn't pass up and it was owner finance. So I just gave him a small down payment and, um, and ran the company and said, all right, here's the goal. This company needs to make X dollars so I can pay it off January 1st of next year because I don't have the money to do it and we're going to figure out a way. So we bought that company and I went, wow, if we're growing two branches at this rate, we should open a third. And that was just a complete failure. It was, it was absolutely terrible. Um, as we were trying to get on a new construction, but hadn't made that call yet, that third branch just kept growing in new construction. I think we did like 1.6 million in sales in our first year in a new location, which was amazing. But the bottom line was awful. The culture was awful. The turnover was awful. The stress was high. Um, I'd been gaining gaining tons of weight. I was like 50 pounds overweight, uh, just going, what the heck? And then 2017, it was like, okay, maybe we're starting to pull out of this. Maybe we're bringing the right stuff in. And by end of 2017, it was like, nope, we need to start making a change. We need to fix this. And 2018 is like, all right, we're shutting down the branch. And then shortly after we shut down the branch, we're like, we're shutting down new construction. And then after that, mid-2019, we're like, we're shutting down commercial. And we just started to shut down all these different divisions going, okay, here comes the drop. And then the revenue just kept going up. We're at very small amounts. It wasn't major gains, but we started to look back and look at the numbers and went, well, retro is still climbing at 20 and 30% and service is climbing at 20 and 30%. So even though we cut off these divisions, the company's only growing minimally on the top line, but it's growing in the right directions. And by 2019, uh, once we'd really started to make some contacts on like the Facebook groups and I've um, been working with the people in the industry, we were really on this great upward trajectory. We went to a ton of classes. We switched our coaching organizations. We tried out a few different ones, found the one that was the best fit for us and our future goals, found new sales coaching, went private label. And it was just like this whirlwind of 18 to 19. I said, get rid of new construction, get rid of the third location, get rid of commercial, go private label, um, get new sales training and go with new business coaching. Oh, and we added service Titan in the middle of all of that. And we just did this massive shift. And ever since then, it's just been, been going the right direction, but we definitely had a lot of failures in there. Uh, and the biggest thing is just trying to spot those failures before they, they go as long as we let them go. Well, and what I'm getting is it all comes down to committing. Like you made a committed decision and then you know, things just followed suit. But when you were kind of mm -hmm. wiffle waffling, not sure, trying to like hang on to that new construction line while also growing yes. pits, like that's what caused more stress. And it'll yes. just, yeah. Yeah, so now it's on our wall. I've got it, my, my vision statement over here. It's every single office um, that sky heating, AC and plumbing will have $40 million in revenue by 2029 while being the most recognized HVAC brand in our market. That's the singular goal. That's what we're shooting towards. And we have budgets every single year that tell us how to get to that number from today. And we're currently exceeding those budgets and more than on track to hit them. 
um, after we refocused. But originally I remember sitting down and it was like in 2009 and I talked to the business partner that I was supposed to take over the company with. And I looked across the desk at him and I said, we're going to do $10 million in 2020. And he laughed at me and he goes, the heating companies don't do $10 million in this market. And I was like, that's why we're going to do it first. And granted, we weren't the first. I didn't really know know my competition as well. I was just so focused on what we were doing and um, seeing how we'd ran the business. I didn't realize there were other players and there still are some amazing companies in our market that are doing very, very well. Um, but we, we were like, okay, we're just going to break that goal. And we set the goals 10 years in advance. And I have a business plan that um, it's only two pages. It's super simple because people ask me, can you send me that massive business plan? I'm like, it's, it's literally just two pages of writings. It tells you how many people I'm going to have in service, how many I'm going to have in sales, how many are going to be in replacement, how many are going to be in duct work, how many in ductless, how many in plumbing. And this is the electrical division we're going to have and what it's going to look like. Here's how many homes we're going to go into per year. It's a very basic budget with cost of goods sold, basic marketing, um, basic office layout. And it shows the exact company of what it's going to look like with how many people, with how much revenue they're going to produce with our average sale, with our tickets, all adjusted for inflation so that we can hit $40 million in 2029. And at least we have a goal to look at and say, well, here's the staffing model we need. And when you have those things set, especially when you talk about them at all team meetings, everybody's in tune to this vision. So when they spot a good hire, you've created their reticular activating system to go out there and start looking for, well, we need these people, whether it's today or 10 years from now, but if we can get them today, let's just start getting those people in these positions and you start getting ahead of your goals, which we'd always struggled with before. We, we never got ahead of them. We were just kind of barely meeting them or falling short of them. And in the last two years, we've been finally exceeding them. So awesome. This is definitely something I want to get into here is the recruitment side of things. And first, I kind of want to start with, so when you switch the business model from new construction to residential, I'm sure you also had to shift like the culture that, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, one, what you were hiring for, because now your yep. techs are really interfacing directly with the customer versus like with the builder or other contractors on the property. So you probably had some training to look at. And then the type of tech, you know, that you're hiring and then looking yeah. forward as you guys are growing and as you have this long-term goal set, mm -hmm. um, how are you managing recruitment campaigns and retention? Okay. The secret that everybody wants to know right now. So everybody listen in. The secret to recruiting is I don't have the answer, but I'll tell you what I'm doing. <laughs> um, when it came down to new construction, you know, we, we talk about the mirror test. If you can fog a mirror, you can work in new construction because you're just going to go out on the job with somebody else. Occasionally, there's going to be a superintendent there, but for the most part, it's you and the, the lead guy and the lead guy's only got, you know, six months to a year of experience, but they can put in a heating system and then the supervisor will come out and start it up and make sure the venting's correct, the gas line's correct, the refrigerant's correct, you know, set the refrigerant charge, but somebody else will put that ductwork in. As you move to customer facing, you've really got to make sure that they have the right demeanor, the right mentality. Uh, that they're really customer focused. So you've got to search for a different type of person, a person that also isn't afraid because a lot of people will go into construction because they didn't do well in school and maybe sometimes they're not social, but you've got to find somebody that, that is really social and wants to work with their hands, um, understands numbers because they need to be able to talk pricing. They need to be able to talk financing and having a, a set of people like that is definitely difficult. It, we went from, like I said, our training was just on the job. You start and you get thrown into a van to now our training is, you know, anywhere between a week and a month before you're in the field. And then when you're in the field, you're riding along with somebody and then you're riding along with them for months at customers' houses. And we have daily training every single morning 
or we're going over customer service, we're going over technical, we have classes set up in our training room with live working equipment, with interplay learning, virtual reality, um, with videos from different training organizations, whether it be Nexstar or Uncle Joe, uh, so we can go over the business practices, so we can go over the, the customer service side, and then we try and make our numbers public. And that's something we've been really working on recently and even discussed in our meeting yesterday is like we want everybody down to the CSR needs to know what our goal is for the month. The installer needs to know what our goal is for the month. And we did a great job of doing that this March. I should say a good job because we're, we still have a great job to do later on. Um, we started bringing people into our business planning. We started sharing our business plan like down to the minute details so that everybody knows this is how many calls we need to run this month. This is the average ticket. This is the close rate. Are you exceeding that goal? Are you working towards it? or are we falling short of it and then publicly posting it so that everybody knows where we're on track for. So right now everybody knows that we're on track for our largest month ever in a slow month and everybody's pushing hard. Service technicians are going, man, if I, if you want me to, I'll take on an install because I know that brings in more revenue than, than my service calls that day. Let's hit it hard the last couple of days. And Hey, you got Saturday work. We'll take a Saturday on. And that's completely shifted the culture because with that culture, now they all are brought into the team and instead of just doing their singular task, they're working towards the larger vision and they get to be a part of that vision. So as any, you know, if you're a technician at your company, talk to your owner because a lot of the owners will say, Oh, I don't want to give them the information. But as an owner, you should be going, if that, that employee wants the information, they're the absolute best person to have get that information because they're going to drive that company forward. And as the owner, we've got almost 50 people here now. It's those 50 people that do the work every day. My, my job is to think and think really hard about what we want to do and how we do it. But they're the ones doing the hard work, uh, spending the time to do it. So they should be empowered to make those decisions so that they can drive the company forward. And, and this month I traveled four out of five weeks and we're having a record-breaking month. So I don't know what that says about me, but I know what it says about <laughs> my team. <laughs> it either says that I've set a, such a good vision that I, I'm able to do that. Granted, every every trip besides one was a work trip for sewer sales, uh, marketing planning, um, got meeting some contractors later on this week. So all, all good stuff. But going back to the culture, it, it absolutely has to be employee-centered and employee-powered. And part of our vision statement right there as well is that sky heating, AC and plumbing. And of course I'm going to blank as I'm on, on screen and on the, uh, the camera. <laughs> I get it. I get it completely. <laughs> it says that we treat our customer or our employees with the same respect as our clients. And it actually says employees first. And somebody, you know, they always talk about the customer's always right. That's not at all what we believe at our company. Some people may think that's wrong. Some people may hate it, but customers aren't always right. Sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes they're assholes, but that's 1% of them. And we can't focus on that 1%. But let's say you have 10 people at your company and you've done work in 5,000 houses. Just to dehumanize it, unfortunately, as we talk about the culture, but it almost needs to be dehumanized for a second before we can rehumanize it again. If you have 10 people at your company and have served 5,000 clients, one employee is worth 500 clients. How many clients would you fire if it made an employee happier or better at their job? And when you mathematically put it that way, you're like, well, shit, we're always, you know, we're losing a single employee over two or three clients. They're like, well, we need to take on that client. We need that customer. Why don't you go out to that house? Instead of being able to say, you know what? Sky heating doesn't really feel that we're the best fit for you. So why don't we refer you off to this person? And any one of our employees has the ability to call us up at any time and say, this isn't our fit. I'm walking from this job. I'm not charging them a thing and we're firing them. It doesn't have to go to a manager. 
It doesn't have to go to me. If that employee calls up and makes that decision, we fire them right then and there and we walk off the job and they get a do not service and service tighten and we will not go back to their house. Because however much we spend on marketing, it's not as expensive as it is to recruit somebody. So I'd say that's probably the first piece of advice there. We can all say we treat our employees well and I'm sure we have room for improvement. I know we do, but that's a key component is letting them be empowered to say, we're done with this client. I don't want to work there. And sometimes that's a new install and six months after the new install. And that's tough because it's been sold and they start treating our people poorly and screaming at them on the phone six months after an install. And it's a surge or something that didn't happen on our end. It's our end. Of course, we're always going to take care of it. We'll send somebody else out there to get that client covered. Um, but if they're being unreasonable for no reason, and there's something that wasn't on our fault, no, we, we will leave them. Um, because it's a lot easier to, to, you know, pay somebody like you guys to bring on the next client than it is to pay to try and bring on the next person. As far as recruiting, um, the, you know, the ABCs of always be closing, it needs to be ABR of always be recruiting wherever you are, uh, hand out your business card at a restaurant. Um, you know, I've heard that small EAs make amazing salespeople. In fact, the last, uh, salesperson I hired was a bar manager. No HVAC experience. He was a very technical person. He actually did some metal work and some welding, but I brought him on from being a bar manager. He talked to unruly drunk clients. Uh, he had to you know, sell alcohol, sell drinks, food. You have to use descriptive ways to talk about that food. Brought him into sales. And uh, people are always talking about what does a salesperson do? And I always say like, if they don't do a million dollars in their first year, they, they shouldn't be working for you. They should be fired. And they're like, no, that's a good number. Well, he did 900,000. I think it was in his first six months being outside the industry um, but no HVAC knowledge, no sales knowledge. We trained him on the sales side, trained him on the HVAC side, but he had a great personality and he'll probably hit two and a half million dollars this year. Um, technically this will still be his first full year in business because he started with us mid June and didn't go live until mid July. And by that point, our busy season is starting to slow down on the sales side. We've made most of the sales. Now we're installing them and he's still able to do that. So you just always got to be recruiting, thinking outside the box, finding the right people, going to a, a Jiffy Lube or, you know, as you're getting your oil change on your truck, yep. hand out a card. Hey, you know, if you ever want to move into a new position that has this kind of potential and throw out a high number, say, this is what our top technician made last year. He made a hundred and some thousand, you know, it's going to take you some time, but you can definitely get there. Give me a call if you ever want a new job. You're going to get people coming in. And even if you only hire one out of every 10, you've got to be constantly talking to, to everybody because you're not going to find somebody that has the HVAC skills. You've got to train them. And if you're taking them from somebody like me, you're not going to get my first, first pick. You're not going to get my second pick. You're getting my like C squad. If you're taking somebody from me, because that's the person that's leaving is the guy that I'm trying to push out the door because they weren't doing well in the first place. And I know the same thing. If I take somebody from a competitor of mine, I'm probably not getting their A team because their A team's taken care of right now. So if I get their A team, why? Did they have a culture issue? Did they have a pay issue? Is there something else that I offered? That occasionally happens, but more often than not, I'm bringing them from the ground up, training them my way on my customer service with my systems so that they can take care of the customers the way that we want to see it done. So I, that was a lot of questions and a lot of answers. I hope I kind of hit on all those points you were looking for there. And I'm going to have a quick sip of water. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. I think, uh, you know, here's what I pull from that. Besides the, the ABR, right? Always be recruiting. Um, if, if I read between the lines and that, here's what I see, because I mean, you know, I'm in all the same groups, right? I see all the same stuff that you do and I see what people are struggling with. And it's this mindset thing. Like I see it so often where people try one thing and it doesn't work and they're like, oh, this doesn't work. 
Yeah. And, and then it, and then it crushes their mindset, uh, around, around trying something new or even trying the same thing in a slightly different way. And if, if those people will just continue to kind of open their mind a little bit and say, okay, look, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure mm-hmm. it out no matter what. And I'm going to listen to what Travis says and, you know, what other people on the podcast say and what other people, uh, what other, uh, leaders that are really winning say, like, just keep trying different things and don't ever give up until, Mm -hmm. um, that's really like the biggest thing that I pull from that is you're not giving up on it, right? Like you go to one Jiffy Lube and hire somebody and it doesn't work. You're still going to hand your card out to the next really good potential person at Jiffy Lube or the next good bar manager. Like don't ever give up on recruiting. Mm -hmm. Just always be doing it. Yeah. And you never know, because like you said, you're going to hire a few people and you're going to have to interview 10 people to keep one. And then after you keep that, or after you hire that one, you're going to have to hire two to three to keep one good one. And people get discouraged so quickly. And I, I've seen this and somebody got, we were arguing back and forth because he's like, there's just nobody out there to hire. There's nobody good. And I said, well, but that's what you're looking for. No, I'm looking for good people. Well, you just said there's nobody good. So how can you be looking for good people if all you're telling me is that there's nobody good out there? And about a day later, they're like, yeah, I hired two people. And I was like, well, <laughs> what, what changed? You know, did your mindset change or did all of a sudden you see the good in people? And it's that hire slowly, fire quickly. We just hired somebody that I, I'll take blame for it once again. Um, I thought they would be a great plumber. They sounded great on the phone in the interview. My team was like, I don't, I don't think so, Travis. And I said, well, we need a plumber. We, we really need more. We're so behind on plumbing. We shouldn't be booked this far out. Let's at least try and put them in a van. We had them in a van about three weeks and uh, wasn't doing so well. And my team kept saying, he's, he's really slow. He's just really slow. And I said, it doesn't matter how slow he is. Like we can train somebody up. We can work with them. Our goal is to give opportunities. Another employee came in one day and said, yeah, he, um, he borrowed my tools and damaged them and uh, damaged the customer's house. And I was like, we're firing. And they're like, we've been telling you he's slow. And I said, his slowness doesn't matter. It's that he doesn't care. And I can tell that he doesn't care when he starts not taking care of somebody else's tools because they're not his. And I can tell he doesn't care when he left little things like caulking on the new faucet or the new handle of the toilet that he installed and said it was done and told the customer to come and look at it. That's when we know that's not the right person because that mentality, I can't change that. If it takes them an entire day to do a water heater, we can fix that. But if it takes them four hours to do a water heater and he damages stuff, that that's just lack of care that's when we need to cut baits. We just need to find people that care and that want to move forward. And, uh, you know, most owners have like a, a nice truck that they drive up in. So when you're at that Jiffy Lube or a restaurant or whatever, you'll often get people being like, Oh, that's a cool truck. You know, what do you do? Here's what I do. If you're ever interested, here's what it is. And just start telling about it, but promote it in a positive light. The other thing is I see these people on the forums and they're going, oh, there's nobody good out here. What is your son or daughter doing? Oh, I'm sending them to college so they can be a doctor. I'm sending them to college so they can go into IT so they don't have to do this. If you wouldn't promote this <laughs> trade to your own fucking kid, you shouldn't be recruiting people because you're a shitty person. Like, don't tell me that there's no good people as you're telling your own family, don't do what I'm doing. It sucks. No, I'm already telling my kids, like, I hope you get into the trades. My CFO's son's working to be an electrician or plumber. My ops manager, uh, his son's working to be a 
uh, electrician, plumber, or heating tech. Um, they're working on, on getting into some programs. We've got multiple people here where their kids are getting into the trades because we have the opportunity and their parents do very well. They have company vehicles. They have room for growth. They have career opportunities. They have six-figure plus potential. They have full benefits. They have training, all these things. So when we can make it fun like that, it, it's, it's nice. We, just little things like when our, our management team flies, we fly first class. It's to show them, look, this is something different. When you're first class and you're going back to like a next star event and you've got another heating contractor and the people in the front are like, why, why is first class filled with heating contractors and plumbers? It makes it fun. It makes it an industry you want to get into, um, you know, paying for our tools. We pay for all the tools. And this is something I wanted to kind of quickly discuss on is I've kind of promoted this and I know that other people are probably going to start doing this, but it goes back to if somebody's going to damage the tools that you own, they're probably not a good employee. And it's a quick way to find out that they're not good. They're not going to work long-term. So people are like, well, how many tools do you damage? I'm like, I don't care. It gets rid of bad employees quickly because if they come in here and screw up my tools, they're not going to last. They're going to be fired. I know that they don't care and they're not going to have care for my customers. If they're not going to have care for me, it sucks being that I'm the one getting something damaged, but it's better that my tool gets damaged than my customer's home. Right. Hands down. So we pay for all of their tools. And so often we go, well, I'm having a hard time finding somebody in the field. Okay, let's see. You said people in the field shouldn't like it. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't have my kids do it. They all suck. And then you're complaining about it. But the office staff, the office staff gets a brand new desk. They get a nice computer. They get their coffee in the morning. They get all these perks. And why do, you know, so one day somebody's computer broke and they said, hey, so-and-so's computer broke, Travis, need to get a new one. I said, no, they can bring one from home. And the whole office just stopped and went, oh, shit, something went on with Travis. Okay. And I went, no, I'm serious. Why, why don't they bring theirs from home? And they go, well, why would, why would somebody bring their computer home? That's unheard of. And I go, okay, I'm just curious because why do we make our service technicians bring their own tools? Why do we make our installers bring their own tools? They're, they're doing a job for us. And they have to bring their own tools. Yet when it's a CSR a controller, a CFO, an admin, a dispatcher, we provide the tools for them. So you're telling me that the easier to find position, we provide tools for them and they work inside. The harder to find position that works outside, that's working with their hands through sometimes waiting through shit if they're a plumber, but we won't pay for their tools because it's just too much. Let's just reverse that mentality and get to the mentality of we just pay for everybody's tools. If you need a computer, whether it be a computer, a mouse, a pencil, a stapler, we pay for it. So if you need a screwdriver, a tape measure, a nut driver, we pay for it. It's that simple. And people are always blown away. Like we, we go to Ferguson to go get our tools and we just have this bin of tools sitting in the middle of the floor. And people always ask me, I'll say this right off the bat. You're going to ask me and say, what, what, what's your tool is Travis? And I said, I don't know. I really don't have a good one because I wish I could say it's more consistent, but I'd be lying. It's not the most consistent because we let people pick out their own tools. Then we make an inventory of what they bought, and then that's ours. That just doesn't go with them if they, they were to leave. Um, but that's also major for retention because if somebody's going to recruit somebody for me, my guy's not going to have their own tools, and they're probably not going to hire him because they're going to go, this person from Sky Heating, they must be unskilled. They, have, they don't have any of their own tools. Okay. Nope. I just provided five plus $1,000 worth. And you want to talk about recruiting? Go to your supply house, set a pile of tools, spend like two hours buying them, and every person that walks in, just let them know, oh, we're just buying tools for our employees today. Don't mind our mess. See what happens when the other companies walk in going, wait, the, those tools are for your new employee. Oh, yeah, they just started it from Jiffy Lube. It's no big deal. We're, we're just we're buying all their tools. We're going to be here like two hours deciding on all the right stuff for them. We're paying for it all. I'm sorry about the mess. 
That's awesome. I want to be a part of that. Dude, I so, love your mentality here. It's like, it feels like it's just uncommon common sense. I mean, even right. going back to the, the retention element of a good employee is worth 500 good clients. Um, like little things like that. It's so true. And we get, you know, we get hyper-focused on like if one little thing goes wrong or if one little thing happens and it's like, well, no, let's focus on the big picture here. And even when we talk about the tools, it's just mm-hmm. like, to me, it makes sense, you know, but so, you know, so few people kind of operate on that level. So Travis, amazing. We're going to have to wrap it up here. <laughs> yes, I've got a meeting to jump into here. to go celebrate. So <laughs> I know. And that's, I was just going to kind of cap it off with that as well, that I know you're about to go to a, uh, a company-wide celebration since this has been one of your best months, if not the best month ever. So mm-hmm. I certainly don't want to pull you from that. And that's another just element of how you're employee focused and employee powered is like, man, we're transparent about all of our goals and how we track them. And this is the best month we've ever had. So let's, let's, let's celebrate, you know? Yeah. Amazing. So it's fun at Fred Myers and the guy's like, Oh, why are you buying Dom Perignon? Oh, it's for my heating company. <laughs> you're a heating company. You're, you're buying Dom Perignon for your team. Well, we're having fun. We had a good month. Huh? We fly. I, I was looking life. at my wallet and I was like, I didn't have a card to hand to this guy because he's plainly in liquor sales and sommeliers, people that sell wine and spirits can be good in HVAC. And I was like, damn it. I need to get better putting cards in my wallet. The team always chastises me because I have two cards in my wallet, if that, and they go pretty quickly and then I forget to restock it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I have a question. Did you have on a company shirt or a company hat? And if so, no, I, I don't you should have just taken shirts. your shirt off and given it to him or a company. <laughs> I mean, just anything, right? I see you guys Maybe both are great them. at wearing the company shirts. I've always been terrible at it. I have real estate ventures. I have apartment buildings. I have some other stuff that I'm working on. Um, so I'm not always wearing company clothing, but I, I always have the... There you, you go. Know, oh, I always forget which direction. I have the company mask on. Uh, and then he looks at me and goes, wait, you look familiar. What's your tagline? I go, the next time you look up, think sky heating and air conditioning. Online at skyheating.com. He goes, oh, the TV commercials. I knew <laughs> I'd seen you somewhere. That's awesome, dude. Oh, he yeah. probably wouldn't have wanted your mask, so that's okay. No, no. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Travis, thank you so much for joining us. I think we're going to have to have you on again at some point just to explore. There are so many topics that I had that we didn't even get to, um, but I'm really glad that you, we dove into the, the retention and the recruitment side of things because as we all know, that's a huge pain point for a lot of uh, owners in the industry and growing businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're doing it right. And I love your mentality yeah. around it. So for our, for our listeners, you can find Travis Smith on Facebook or check out Sky Heating, Air Conditioning and Plumbing at skyheating.com. I'll go through real quick a couple recaps and Stephen might have a recap or two. Um, but I want to thank everybody for listening and also um, let you guys know you can join the discussion at home serv- at, at, on our Facebook group, Home Service Success, um, or check out whatdelivers.com. Um, a couple things that I got out of this um, was mainly as a leader, you're the one responsible um, for the growth and what happens at your company. So get rid of blame um, and also make committed decisions. Balancing multiple direction, on, directions can only lead to more stress and potential failure. So set a vision, track your strengths, look at the facts and then make a committed decision and move in that direction without looking back. Um, another thing that I just mentioned here is a good employee is worth 500 good, good clients. So empower your employees, create an employee centric culture um, where those KPIs are transparent and you've got a clear goal set um, and everyone's working towards that common goal. And then the ABR mentality, always be recruiting. 
Um, your employees are the most important thing uh, in your business, more important even than, than, than a client. Um, so always be focused on, you know, where you want to be in a, in a year, two years, three years, and recruit for that, recruit in that direction. Um, and 100%. Stephen, yep. And Stephen, I'll give you a second here if you have anything to tack on to that. You, dude, you nailed every single note that I had. The only other one I would add is uh, trust the team. Trust the yes. team. Like, you know, especially just from being an owner and having started and founded multiple companies, like that's something that I still work on all the time. And just like Travis said, but trust the team. They, they know a lot more than you do. And typically they know things even faster than you do, or they're willing to make those decisions faster. So uh, yeah, just keep focusing on trusting your team. I think that's a really big one. Awesome. Excellent. Well, thanks well, thank Travis. You guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's always fun. And uh, love talking HVAC since I have been doing this in six months and five days. So it's just kind of in my blood to keep spouting off on it. All right, man. Well, we appreciate you. And thanks to our listeners for another awesome, listening to another awesome episode of Home Service Success. Have a great day.